Live from the Leaside Dog Park, it's Gord Stellick and Brent Gunning. <laughs> oh, what a treat. You know, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick will be here with you. We're calling it Leaf Station. We're taking over real Kipper and Bourne. You know, Gordo, you and I were, were debating which one of us gets to be the real one because we know there's real Kipper. Is it real Stellectricity or real Gunner? And, and we, we have the real deal. Nick Kiprio setting us up. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. What a treat. How are you doing on this Monday afternoon, Gord? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually like a lot of the world. I was really under the weather on the weekend. I feel a lot better today. I, I did take a... Um, I got a negative test. I did one of those quick tests, whatever. So feeling good. Um, yeah, I don't even know what the real Kipper is. I don't know. There's so many different shades of Kipper uh, about that. But, uh, yes, I've enjoyed joining the show from actually what was the dog park by Don Valley Golf Course and many other spots. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, week with you. And how are you, how are you doing, Brent? I know we had to do kind of a 180 uh, on Saturday at relatively the last moment and then got – uh, enough warning that the Seattle game wasn't going on last night. So um, a very different weekend for anybody in so, uh, of involved in anything with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I'm doing well. Uh, you know, uh, up until this year, I uh, I screamed bloody murder anytime there was not a Leafs game on Saturday night. But uh, you know, all of a sudden, now that it's my job, oh, the old the old, the old Saturday night off uh, isn't isn't all uh, too bad. Uh, but uh, yeah, looks like we might have a few Saturdays off uh, coming up. So hopefully not for that. And you know, we heard Kipper teeing it up off the start of the show. You know, unfortunately, that kind of it kind of took one of my questions away because I was going to play the game. Everybody always likes to play Brendeo. Let's hear it. Where in the world is Gord Stelic? <laughs> Just I I love the sounder. I had to hear it, but there we go. Kipper teed it up for us off the top. Uh, I love that. I'm really looking forward to getting here with you uh, a week of shows or, or four of them, anyways. Here, because yeah, uh, of course, that's the big news uh, happening right now. Is that well? Nothing's happening. No Leafs game Saturday. No Leafs game Sunday. Uh, it was supposed to be the Blues in town for a wonderful little matinee on Thursday, but that's not going to be happening either. Uh, Gord, you know, I think I think people had different levels of optimism about all of this in terms of you know how just how much of the season would you be able to play? How how often would games be postponed? But I think everybody kind of thought we were getting to a point where there'd, there'd be a Russian cancellations here. But, man, it, it kind of crept up quickly on us over the last, basically, week. Yeah, it really did, Brent. I mean, you, you think about uh, 20 months ago or whatever, 21 months ago, how we heard about things and then all of a sudden thought that March 11th, where really the sports world uh, signaled the, uh, the, world, the stop around the world or around North America anyway. And this one... You know, last Monday we were talking about what had been discussed out of the Board of Governors meetings press conference the previous previous Friday, and we certainly were aware about the you know the uh, the variant and COVID and you know what was going on. But it was more about hey, will NHL players be in the Olympics? Uh, Gary Bettman was really espousing positivity about the economic picture of the NHL that was looking rosy about trying to make up from the uh, shortfalls from previous years. And boy, this just really took on. It started with the Calgary Flames a week ago Saturday. Brad Treliving said they had no uh, positive cases on the, on the Saturday. Then they're ready to go to Chicago on the Sunday. I forget the number. Was it seven or something? And then all of a sudden they had 17 by the Monday. And that just seemed to be uh, um, symbolic of a lot of teams that were out there. So Thursday's game with the Leafs, it got, it got postponed because of the situation in Calgary. And this one on Friday, I mean, let's face it, if the Leafs were in any peril, they would have flown home. It just made a longer road trip 
Four players positive on Friday. Looked like they were going to go ahead because Vancouver's actually in a good place right now, numbers-wise, the Canucks are. But then five more on Saturday. And whatever the tipping point is, Grant, there's been no hard and fast number. Uh, I take it uh, seven were players. One was a coach. One was an assistant coach. But it was felt that was enough because, you know, they were a couple hours away from playing the game. And in a similar situation on Thursday, the Colorado Avalanche arrived in uh, Nashville and found out that Kale McCart and a few others were not eligible to play, including a goaltender like the, Le- the Leafs would have had to use an e-bug backup. And Colorado voted to play the game. And they lost that game to Nashville. They came back. Now they're one of the teams that are shut down till Christmas. But, you know, they wanted to get that game out of the way. In the Leafs' case, uh, they flew home. Yeah, and that, that's the thing with the Leafs, too, that kind of complicates matters. Normally with a team with, with Toronto, if it's anywhere kind of, you know, on the eastern seaboard, it's, well, the Marlies are, are in that same time zone, and it makes things nice and easy. One, when you're on the west coast, uh, the Marlies being close to Toronto does you absolutely zero good. And then, two, throw in the fact that the Marlies were, were dealing with an outbreak as well. You know, you're, you're right. Other teams have played shorthanded at, at times this year. You know, I do wonder how much of the fact that the Canucks, everything they dealt with last year you know if the league is going to be not that they're protecting one team more than others but they're going to be obviously very cautious with with what happens there and then yeah all of a sudden you throw in the cross-border travel and now that's not happening anymore and it it just kind of all all felt uh, inevitable you know obviously we all want the teams playing games we all want to watch hockey that that's why we do what we do it is our favorite thing but is this you know, not that it's a good thing the games are being postponed, but in terms of timing for the Leafs, has it actually kind of helped them a little? On one hand, Austin Matthews has been red hot. Same goes for Campbell. You don't want to slow those guys down, but, you know, Mitch Marner, still not healthy. Rasmus Sandin, still not healthy. Jason Spezza, oh, look at that. All of a sudden, he's served his suspension now. It, it does seem like, you know, if there were a time, and again, not that not that you're trying to take positives out of this, but from a Leafs perspective, I mean, does the timing kind of help him a little? Well, um, you, you bring up you bring up a valid point, particularly in Marner's case, but you never know what injuries could be when they do finally make up those games. And uh, I, I got to think now, I mean, and I, I remained, I've remained an optimist um, going forward right up until the 11th hour. And I don't want to sell remain an optimist that quite use that term, but about NHL players playing in the Olympics, but it, it, you know, looks more and more or less and less like that could happen. So then you have to think Brent, that they'll be looking to obviously to fill these games in, during that scheduled break, you know, um, which if that's the case, you know, that's not a bad thing. You know, you go out there and, and hopefully hit those two games in a reasonable way and you're healthier. Uh, if, say, they'd made it to the Olympics or somehow find a way to make it to the Olympics still and you got to squeeze those games in, then those aren't easy games to squeeze in, okay? Those just, to, oh, I'm just going to whip out to Vancouver and whip out to Seattle and squeeze that in an already condensed schedule. So I have to think in a lot of, a lot of teams, you know, that's what they're thinking now, that it's a foregone conclusion. They'll have that time to make up games. So, you know, it's funny. There's different animals out there. Um, the cross-border thing about, so I think a lot of people thought that was the government jumping in, but no, it's just... Um, making sure, as Elliot Friedman said, nobody's caught on the wrong side of the border for Christmas. So this is kind of the Christmas trade embargo um, in COVID style. Because uh, there's that question, Jesse Pugliarby was, somehow he made it back from the States, right? Somehow. And he, somehow. It's he, how, that sounded yes. like Evgeny Malkin making his way to North America when he first left Russia is, is the, uh, the yes. scenario yes. there. But yeah, somehow, some way. 
Because the understanding it was that you're going to have to spend whatever number of days in the country you don't reside in. And uh, uh, that's what they want to avoid. I mean, Carolina, or Carolina had a situation. They had a road trip in Western Canada. Uh, had a, a three players stayed back at Edmonton. Then they went on to Minnesota, finished up there. Then they went home. And whatever number of days later, a charter plane picked up three in Minnesota, stopped in Minnesota, picked up four more, and then flew back. And Carolina actually has had success with a depleted lineup. And, and the Leafs had to come back on two separate charter planes. Good it's not the commercial days, but they had to come back on two separate charter planes to get the, the COVID personnel, uh, the COVID protocol personnel, had to be on a, on a, on a distinctly different flight. Yeah, we were all kind of wondering about that. I mean, you know, our, our producer, Sam McKee, he joked to us that, or sorry, sorry, we're, we're in this time slot. I can't call him producer Sam McKee. I have to call him Sammy. He, uh, he, he said, it's the Leafs. I'm pretty sure they'll find a way to get these guys back. But, yeah, that was something we were all, we were all kind of wondering about. I mean, again, it, it's the Leafs. Uh, you know, if, if money can solve the problem, I'm sure they'll, they'll find a way. But, yeah, you know, we were all wondering how would those guys come back. Uh, they're, they're all back now, so that, that is a good news. It's now up to 10 teams across the league who have paused team activities, so that's no practice, no games, uh, until at least after Christmas. The Leafs' next schedule game is the 27th. Now, that's supposed to be in. Columbus uh, again with the league pausing cross-border traffic or, or travel who who knows what will what will happen there I mean Sam uh, do you would you like to uh, pop in and join us you know you're such a you're such a voice of reason and and really you know sometimes the voice of non-reason but that's why we love you well where, where's your head at uh, on all this across the NHL oh do we have McKee he's speechless he's there speechless. He is. Am I here? He's speechless am I here you're here am I here you're here you're here you can hear yeah. me Hello, testing, you're on testing, the air. Go ahead, you're on again. the fan. Uh, go ahead, Sam. Isn't everyone thrilled about this? I think <laughs> the first thought I have is, boy, Kipper and Borty took a great week off. Holy crap. Good job, fellas. I <laughs> uh, really picked it well. Um, the second thing is, is that I think there was a natural sort of slowdown in the schedule here getting towards Christmas. And, you know, I already saw that the Calgary Flames, I think they are opened back up their, their practice facility today that I saw. So it's like that's starting to head in the right direction here. So I think their hope with postponing all these games for a little bit of time till after the Christmas break, maybe around the 28th, the 29th range, when some of these guys are starting to feel a little bit more healthy, come out of it, test negative, that they can maybe start to get the, the league going a, a bit again. Uh, I will say I, the the Olympic aspect of this is extremely heartbreaking. I know for for myself, you Gunner, for everyone listening, Gordo, like we were all extremely excited for the best on best. This team that Canada was potentially going to be putting out there was going to be one of the best ones ever. Having Connor and Sid on the same team, I you know, I don't think it's happening. I don't think I need to be. I'm speaking in a turn by saying that there's no chance on earth that they go to the Olympics unless they play it in Toronto, maybe. But yeah, I I really am upset about that. But let me get your take on this, guys. Talking about blessings in disguise, I think it's a huge blessing in disguise for the Toronto Maple Leafs season and hopes at the Stanley Cup that their NHLers are not going to the Olympics. Because you think of the amount of guys on the Leafs that were, you know, play crucial roles on their teams. You think of Matthews, you think of Marner potentially, Riley, uh, David, uh, Camp, Kasha all these different guys that would potentially be going for their teams, I think the Leafs could have potentially dodged a little bullet here without the teams going to the Olympics. 
Well, you know, and that and that's a big debate. And Bruce Boudreau, who's great to be on for everything, would be a great, great guy to weigh in on that. And that doesn't matter whether it's COVID or not. It's just about, yeah, that kind of break, that kind of interruption in the season. And there's other teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning, for example, that would have significant numbers. But I, I know, Brent, 2010, maybe Bruce Boudreau's best Washington Capital team. And they were going great guns. And then it stopped for the Olympics in Vancouver. And they never got going. They never got going. And they had a ton of players there. And he kind of kids about it. He said, uh, Alexander Ovechkin, they got, it's, Russia got eliminated. But he asked for permission to stay there. because they're, And they thought it was going to be a big deal about, you know, how they pass the torch or the flag yep. to the next country that's hosting. Well, Ovi was just up there waving. He wasn't. They, the understanding was he was going to be kind of the guy. So he probably spent a few more days parting there or whatever. Whatever you do when you're eliminated, he was looking like Mark around. Savard before a Bruins playoff game. That's what he was looking. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he was. Uh, so you're, you're. I don't know. You're right about that. But I'd, I'd still like to see that challenge. I, I would still, still like to see that challenge. And uh, you know, it's. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to see, ideally, Canada have winning one goal, and maybe that would also be something, though, Sam and Brent, that, you know, the taste of winning it, the taste of getting that to, Math- you know, well, to, uh, to not Matthews, but to Marner, uh, and, and uh, well, I guess he both be, might be the only guy except Morgan Riley, right, that uh, would get it, but it'd be nice. We, we fans in Toronto deserve some wins. We've been, we've been loyal, long-time loyal fans of the Toronto Maple Leafs, so whether you got a double, uh, double, double whammy of the Canadian Olympic team and the Toronto Maple beliefs at least making a run or winning some playoff rounds that would be great oh yeah i couldn't agree more here uh but i know i'm just as excited to watch uh justin pogey potentially play net for the for uh team canada you know the i think eric fair is on the fill-in team uh ryan spooner just the same uh star power same cachet as Connor mcdavid and uh Sidney crosby playing together for the first time but I, i think the emotional part of it you you mentioning that with Bruce Boudreau in 2010, it's such a great point and such a great comparison because you think about how much it means to these guys to go over there and play for your national team and all these super intense games packed into a short time. And, you know, not only that, the, the losing factor, the winning factor, what it does for your mentality. It's a traveling to China. It's a huge sap of energy right in the middle of a huge season for the Leafs so it's a it's an interesting conversation but yeah I'm I'm, I'm absolutely heartbroken that they're not going to the Olympics I was just looking forward to it so much now it's funny. as a as a Canadian Patriot I am heartbroken as well but as a as a, a fan and someone who covers the Toronto Maple Leafs I I just you know you know me McKee a little better than Gorge you're getting to know it all of you out there know I am always expecting the worst to happen, kind of, at any given time. And I was not ruling Mm. out a world where they're saying, you know what, Jack Campbell, you're so happy and positive. Well, let's see if three weeks in quarantine in China can break that or something along that. It just (laughs) felt like the worst-case scenario was going to happen. So I am honestly heartbroken, crushed, because I, like every other person of, well, any generation has wanted to see the crossover of the two generations of Crosby and McDavid and throw in all the other guys from that generation and the Marner generation that's kind of following it. I would have loved to love to love to see it, but there's just no way it happens. I honestly think, and you know, this is, this is kind of completely outside of the realm of the NHL. Who knows what happens once you just look at the Olympics as a whole, it feels like our best chance for seeing that is if the Olympics as a whole 
get pushed. You know, we know they didn't want to do it in 2020, and it felt like kind of a month or so before they had the reversal and pushed it back to 2021. You know, I I hope for the world's sake that we're in a good enough place that we don't have to do that with the Olympic Games. But, man, as a hockey fan, I, I certainly wouldn't be all that upset about seeing the uh, 2022 Olympics actually played in 2023 because I, I really do feel like the game of hockey is missing out by not having had a true best-on-best tournament for so long. And I love the World Cup of Hockey more than most people do. Like, I actually have a lot of time for that tournament. I know it was gimmicky, and I know there was the under-23 team and the Team Europe, but I still loved it. But I think the game has missed out by having gone so, so long without a true best-on-best. It just feels like the 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 game has to find a way if they don't get these Olympics in to have some type of best-on-best competition soon. What, what do you say about that, Sam? Oh. I just feel that that last Olympics in 2014 was when they went the last time, right? Yep. And that wasn't exactly the sexiest hockey tournament. Mike I Babcock... watched the gold medal game with Rob Ford at Real Sports. So there you wow. go. Wow. Like, I, I there were a lot it. of us there. It wasn't like it was just me and Rob hanging out. But there you go. And we're not talking to uh, No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that tournament was almost, like, boring. You know, it was incredible to watch Canada win, but Mike Babcock coached the hell out of that tournament where basically I think Canada scored four goals in that whole tourney and won the gold medal. <laughs> like, they had the puck the entire time, never scored, just skated the every other team into the ground, and uh, that was the last time we had it. And I feel like that one was kind of, you know, not necessarily boring because Canada won, it's exciting, but it didn't have the cachet of 2010. Maybe it's because it was in a different spot. I think it was Sochi was 2014, was yep. that right, Sochi? Yep. So it didn't necessarily have the cachet, but you're right. I, it's just missing out to have the best on best. Okay, so here's what I want to talk about, Brent and Sam. We mentioned two names. We mentioned Justin Pogge and we mentioned Mike Babcock, and both with Maple Leaf ties. So you look mm. at the four games yesterday and uh, that actually got played. You had kind of storylines because you had uh, Robin Lanner back on the island with the Vegas Golden Knights getting a great reception. Dave Lowry winning his first game. Who would have thought Dave Lowry would be coach of the Winnipeg Jets today? That's something we'll talk about. I know you talked about it Friday with Paul Maurice uh, stepping down. Uh, one other one was, okay, did you see Tristan Jerry give Mason Gearston uh, the butt end in the Pittsburgh-New Jersey I game did. like during a break? And he got a double minor, Tristan Jari did, for butt-ending Mason Gearston. Do you know they played together for two years with the Edmonton Oil Kings in junior? They're teammates. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. How I much can you, not, can you not stand a guy if the guy you butt-end is a form? Because you, you hear of players, they always go back to their NCAA or junior teams for the best friendship. So anyway, it shows that everyone doesn't get along. So that, that, that happened in that game. But I also did not think that the emotional goaltending story would be would be Garrett Sparks getting called up and the LA Kings beat the Washington Capitals 3-2 and it's funny when you look at this journey and the fact when the you remember when the Maple Leafs signed John Tavares and all was going to be good and the Maple Leafs were going to have a great 2019 because it was the 18-19 season a great Stanley Cup run in 2019 maybe even the Stanley Cup that kind of excitement so now the big thing was to get contracts done Willie Nylander was up. We know that what happened, it went to the deadline. But the one personnel move that Kyle Dubas had to make was he selected Garrett Sparks to move up from the Marlies. And Garrett Sparks had a phenomenal goal. They won the Calder Cup that year, did the Marlies. He had a 1.79 goals against average in 43 games. So phenomenal. So remember he took Curtis McElhaney's spot, and now 
we sort of remember Curtis McElhinney up there with Patrick Waugh, but it's not quite the case. So Garrett, so Garrett Sparks was the backup, and then you know the season got going. Then Nylander signed at the eleventh hour. Garrett Sparks, do you remember when he got hurt in practice that caused his concussion that he refers to yesterday that he hasn't I been do. the same since? Do you remember I who do. shot the puck? No, I can't. Willie Nylander. This. Oh, Willie Nylander was just back and he was practicing, and he wired a shot. It caught Garrett Sparks. So do you remember who they had to call up as kind of an emergency goaltender who had to, who uh, Mike Babcock kidded? I didn't get a chance to introduce himself to him. Was Michael Hutchison? Okay. Oh wow! Oh, God. sorry. I was going to say Casuso, but I thought it was going to be him too. (laughs) Okay, so no, Michael Hutchison. And so Michael Hutchison gets off to this uneven start. You remember that? And that's what happened. Garrett Sparks' chance when Freddie got hurt and it gets derailed. And then later on he came back and didn't play very well. And do you remember he made some comments about how the team had to be more positive? And someone said, Mike Babcock, yeah, who never let his guard down, someone said, yeah, Garrett Sparks was saying blah, blah, blah. And Mike Babcock goes, he said, what? (laughs) <laughs> and repeated it, and he kind of, and you could tell Babcock was pissed. So, so Garrett Sparks' career has kind of gone the way the Maple Leafs playoff reality has since all that happened. He was supposed to be the new backup goalie. John Tavares was in. Everyone was going to get signed right away. It took a while and became a distraction. And all these years, yesterday, he comes up with the win. And he said, you know, since Trey's been back in the ECHL, he's been in the American Hockey League. His stats weren't even very good there, but he got this chance yesterday, and they were down 2 nothing to Washington, and the L.A. Kings came back with the 3-2 win, and Garrett Sparks, who I don't think most people knew was in the L.A. system, uh, was the winning goaltender. Gord, this is a perfect story for four days before Christmas because I feel right now like I am Absolutely. Joseph Wall, and this is like the ghost of Leafs goaltending past. It's like, and William Nylander rung a shot off my bean. Woo! <laughs> and then Michael Hutchison came in after me. Ah, like it just, it, it is amazing walking down that road. And it's funny because of course I remembered the Sparks and Babcock moment. But when I saw that that was Sparks' first win since 2019, I could have swore he was here 500 years ago, not three. Like this both says a lot about what the world has been for us over the past three years and just how much has happened in Leafsland and everything because I couldn't believe it was that year that that he was still kind of in the Leafs system. Like it's just incredible to think of how much has happened here, how much has happened for him. The other funny thing I I had to have was I see all the headlines of an emotional Garrett Sparks after his win. What and I don't say this is a knock. Be who you are. When is he not? Like the guy seems to be emotional after seemingly every moment of his career. He wears them on the sleeve. Maybe he was what primed us uh, to have Jack Campbell in, in our hockey lives. Because man, uh, what a ride the the Sparks era was. Uh, you you yeah. want in on this, Sammy? Well, I think this whole conversation with all these names we're bringing up in terms of goaltending for backups or Frederick Anderson kind of tells you the Frederick Anderson story in Toronto. You know, he was so great during the regular season for the Leafs, playing so much, but always kind of, I don't know, flamed out's the wrong word, but had some struggles in the playoffs and big moments that people remember, but... You know, a lot of it has to do with who was behind him in these regular seasons, and he never really had a real kind of 1B guy to give him a little bit of a break here and there. And all these names, like Sparks and Hutchison, and I brought up Kaskasuo because it just came to my mind. Enroth. All, uh, you know, Enroth, all, all the names that you, you, you think of, and they never really lined it perfectly so that he could, you know, have a little break. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of the, the playoff 
uh, unsuccess. It's not a word. The playoff flameouts, I guess you could say. But you know what? what why we're remembering the emotion as well is uh, Garrett Sparks got a shutout his first game. You remember that? Yeah. And Lula is he the first one to ever do it? Well, I, there's somebody else just did it recently. I think he, I forget him, but but Lou Lamorello waived. Rookies are not allowed to appear on TV. That's been a Lou Lamorello rule, and uh, uh, he waived that rule for Garrett Sparks to because Christine Simpson interviewed him post game because he got the shutout. Now then, I believe he, I believe that rule got bent when Austin Matthews came too. This this shutout was his shutout was before Austin was there because to your point, Brandy was there a few years earlier. He played a number of games up there, and then it looked like he was going to come up to stay as the Calder Cup winning goaltender. And why not? I mean, you know, he, he looked like, you know, the next guy, like a lot of NHL teams have seen their AHL goaltender move up successfully to the NHL and seamlessly, and that really was the expectation, and it was a reasonable expectation. Oh, man. The, I have to be honest, a little surprised Lou bent that rule. Like, bending – I, I <laughs> have we ever heard that before? That feels like the first time we've ever heard a bending of the rule uh, from Lamorello and for all guys, Garrett Sparks. But, man, you know, it, it sometimes does kind of get, like, a little, a little, a little, a little overplayed. How different is the Babcock era if he – not era. I mean, it kind of probably flames out eventually, but – if he yeah. just gets the backup goalie he wants, like there were so many fights between and and look, I mean, you know, not to say it was the be all and end all, but it's not lost on me that Curtis McElhaney went and was a perfectly serviceable backup for a Stanley Cup champ. Like it's funny these kind of sliding doors moment of what ifs, and usually we think of it with a big trade or a signing that didn't happen, but. You know, you do wonder just how different for, like, to your point, McKee, it is for Freddie Anderson and it is for Mike Babcock if he just if he just wins that fight and gets the backup goalie he wants. Well, I was going to say, McElhaney was, al- was always beloved because he made that huge save that last mm-hmm. weekend off Sidney Crosby to get them yep. in the playoffs. And speaking of lose rules, so Robin Leonard this got was the amazing. emotional re- return by the Islander fans, and he pointed to the Islander fans about his tattoo he's got, which I wouldn't know what Long Island looks like, but it's on his neck, <laughs> he, even though he was just there one year. And then he tweeted, he shaved because it's Lou's house. Even though he's on the opposing wow. team, he shaved his beard for one game as the goal to the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard did out of respect for Lou Lamorello yesterday. So anyway, the, the I, rules are everywhere, huh? I know I know. Leonard has a ton of, ton of love for the people of Long Island, but if I'm him, any time I'm in some tropical locale, I'm pointing to that tech t- tattoo and being like, I come back every summer. I love you people. Look, I got a tattoo <laughs> on my body. Like, I don't, you say I don't know what Long Island looks like. I don't even know the people of Long Island know what it looks like. So something tells me he could get a little more mileage out of that than, uh, than just, just in the New York area. I really love Robin Lehner. I He just, you know, there's not many guys with his kind of personality in the NHL. We need more guys like that. And he really is not afraid to say what he wants to do, do what he wants to do. Plus, he's a great goalie. That that helps, I guess, too. But, hey, I really, really love that he did that and just shows you the respect that some guys have for Lou. I'm sure there's other guys that would have a little less respect. There's lots of, you know, differing opinions about him in terms of players that have played for him, probably. But Robin Lehner going in there, shaving the beard, that's the ultimate sign of respect. I know I wouldn't do that because I look like uh, my mom when I shave my beard. So I <laughs> I wouldn't do that, but uh, yeah, Robin Lehner, good on you, buddy. Yeah, I'm Wait sure minute, your mom's not very much nice more attractive mom. than that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. You couldn't wait both of you to get in there and make that joke, eh? How about, how about on the other side? What about, like, Robin Lehner helped get Elaine Vigneault fired. 
he didn't take on his own coach. He took on Elaine Vigneault as coach of the Philadelphia Flyers when he talked about, you know, and and obviously Nolan Patrick is being viewed as the snitch, if that's the right word or not. Everyone said, well, it's got to be Nolan Patrick because he got traded from Philadelphia to Vegas. And I'm not saying he was, but uh, it, it, and, and sure enough, Vino's out now, but it kind of got, wow, Robin Lehner's on another team, and he's talking about coaches that treat, you know, treat people unfairly or uh, are too ruthless on their mental health. And so there he is. He's, got, he's helped Lou in a miserable year for his Islanders get an get a early vote maybe for general manager of the year again, and he helped get Elaine Vino out of Philadelphia, I guess. Yeah, and he is, he is a great personality for the game. And I think, I think what it kind of perfectly highlights is there's many ways to do that, right? Like when we first, I think, I think for a lot of people, when they think of great personality for the game, they think of the big, loud, uh, you know, borderline obnoxious at times uh, personalities. But just having a guy who is so unapologetically, this is who I am. I'm just going to put all my cards on the table and kind of go with it. I, I think it's great uh, for, for the game. And, yeah, I'm with you guys. I, I love Laner there. And, yeah, the fact that he's going after somebody else's coach, he, he's just letting it fly. And I, I, I absolutely love kind of having him uh, in, in the game there. Uh, man, just uh, kind of talking about the Islanders for a sec. It's been such a weird year for them to kind of start their season, right? I mean, they had the – they were waiting forever. It took them, I think, eight tries to finally get their first win in their home barn. It took them forever to actually finally get to play there. This is a team coming off back-to-back Final Four runs. Leo Komarov, you know, goes home because there's not as much of a role for him. It's it just it, – man, it's been it's been kind of a, you know, disastrous year for, for the Islanders so far. Yeah, well, you know, it's um, and it's funny because the COVID thing's distracted us. It normally on a Monday, what I find because there's been three nights of of games that quite often you get a team that's or teams that have won twice and teams yeah. that have lost twice. So it's it's a good time to kind of reassess the NHL standings. And Pittsburgh now haven't lost in seven games. They beat New Jersey three two. They're ten points ahead of Columbus right now in fourth place in that Metropolitan Division. Like like that's a have and have not division right now. And that's where the New York Islanders lie to your point, Brent. Just about that. It's you know we knew they had some ground to cover but wow it's a lot of ground to cover and they had two points with last minute of play yesterday but it was Robin Lehner on the bench got to watch Shea Theodore tie the game and then they won in the shootout so I mean they they you know one point's not enough for the New York Islanders two points is not enough right now they they gotta they gotta go on a string like like our buddy Brucey Boudreaux produced with the Vancouver Canucks yeah it's you know, we're talking about hockey here and like mixing in the the odd hockey conversation, but it just feels so weird to be having these conversations. Like, there's one game tonight that's just kind of like hanging in the balance here. We get to maybe talk about it, but is it going to go? Is it not going to go? It's just we're we're walking on eggshells here with all these games. It's funny just to hear like the actual hockey analysis. I know we're going to get back to it at some point. Like the the season will get started up again, but it just seems like we're walking on eggshells at this moment. Well, the the good news is is our next guest. If hockey stops just go writing about music excellent music writer as well but we are going to talk to him about hockey uh luke fox jukebox follow him on twitter there luke fox joins us now luke how you doing today i'm doing fantastic um but i'm getting tired of sorting through all these cancellation emails i gotta tell you there's a lot there's a lot uh it looks like yeah. looks like me trying to set up dates uh, in high school uh actually we're gonna cancel that. we said yes i know but yeah we changed our mind probably not a good idea for anybody anybody involved there let's let's start with a little hockey talk before we have to dive into the the woe that is covid is it 
are, are we giving Austin Matthews enough credit for this kind of run he's been on? It feels like we've all kind of got used to what he's been, and we had the little topic of, uh, is this a slow start for him? And then he's just gone and on an incredible heater here as of late. And, you know, I'm not saying he's not getting his due, but it sometimes feels, and this isn't a Matthews thing, we do this with superstars kind of in all, in all walks of life, but it, it just feels to me like when a guy's going like this, we just sort of accept it for what it is as opposed to being in awe of it like I feel like we probably should be yeah you know what I, I totally agree with you I think um we we we're kind of taking for granted what we're witnessing um and I think that has to do with the lack of playoff success that this team has had so I think there's um an anxiousness to put it lightly amongst the fan base to see these guys perform like this on the big stage um but the regular seasons we're seeing out of this guy are absolutely off the charts. And I think it was, you know, last week in Edmonton where it kind of sunk in and he was asked about, you know, what it's like, the fact that he started his career with, what, what is it, uh, five, six, 20-goal seasons already and tied a franchise record set by Dave Keon. And you look up Dave Keon's numbers and there, you know, there was one year where he bit, he just got 20 goals. Um, there was none where he got 30 and Austin has hit 20 in, you know, the two months into the season. And he's never, he's always going for 30 or 40 and he hasn't had this, the celebration of breaking Rick Vives franchise record yet. And it's just kind of been robbed of him because of the pandemic, um, all these shortened seasons. And you cross your fingers that, that we're not spiraling to that stage again, because the individual seasons that this guy is putting up, he's now on a 10 game point streak, um, averaging more than a goal a game over the last little stretch. It's just phenomenal. Um, and you have to have an appreciation for it. Wayne Simmons Tuesday after that game, he's like, I've never played, uh, on a league on, on a team with anyone like at any level I've ever played my whole life that can score at will like this guy he's never seen it and it's the variety of ways you know you, we're seeing him go get rebounds we're seeing him tip pucks in we're seeing nifty hands around the net we're seeing him score off one timers or a wick that wicked wrist shot from distance um you know it, it there's a lot this guy can do. And the fact that he's adding a defensive layer to his game increasingly over the past two, three seasons, back checking, stick lifting, stealing pucks away, it's become a good face off man. It's really something to behold. I think Leaf fans, you know, as, as much anxiety or frustration that they have over the lack of team success in the spring, they, they need to enjoy what they're witnessing here. Now, you know, the, the Rocket Richard Trophy, this guy's come from the last trio in the Indy 500 to be up in round first place. I mean, he's past Mangiapane and Chris Kreider. I mean, I'm so here, here's my point, Luke and, and Brent is like, okay, if in your life you found what you feel is your perfect partner, okay, whatever sex may be, whatever may be, okay, then why did you then start critiquing and picking them apart? Okay, you got everything's going perfect. We <laughs> decide, you know, you're, yeah, we're not getting enough goals five on five or whatever it may be. I've got Christmas gifts for everyone. Leave Austin alone, it says on the front, and then the stop logo on the back and shut up. That's what it says. That's what it says. And they're available for, well, once again, I'm printed. I'll, I'll get you back with a price. And if you see me flag my car down, it's a Dufferin Master, of course, and uh, I'll sell you the set. Leave him alone. Quiet. What, what are we picking apart? Arguably the greatest Maple Leaf ever. Come on. It's the Picasso. It's the Mona Lisa. Give me some other paintings. It's whatever. That's it. Uh, Whistler's mother. Whatever. It's it. 
How many more side jobs do you need, Gord? Don't you have enough going already? You need to pick up some extra cash with this T-shirt business here. Well, he's no, hanging out in the dog park. He's got something gonna, to do. Yeah. He's got to do yeah, something gonna, in the dog I, park. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to sell them at cost. I'm going to sell them at cost. Anyway, just to, <laughs> my, my point. Now, to get back to the weekend, I take it, Luke, this, there was a similarity when Colorado was in Nashville and got some late, you know, late COVID cases like Kale McCarr. Um, and being in the same country, there wasn't a problem, much like the Leafs were in the same country where they reside, being in Vancouver. But they chose to play the game and then came back, and they've been shut down. I take it on Friday when there were four cases, um, it was okay, and then what, there were five. So it was seven players, two two, exa- two staff, and that just tipped the iceberg. Because I, I know Vancouver actually is in a pretty good, was at least was, in a pretty good COVID situation on Saturday. Well, yeah, well, they actually postponed the game when there was only four and then they were waiting and they had done rapid antigen tests on all the Leafs and those were negative, but they're waiting on the PCR tests and it, and it wasn't until after the postponement and after the PCR tests revealed there was uh, three more guys, uh, Dermot Campbell, someone else, another defenseman, I think. Uh, and then uh, Spencer Carberry and uh, Sheldon Keefe. So it wasn't until after the PCR test that they realized there was actually more. They canceled it based on the number of Canucks that had it and the number of Leafs that had it. But it was such a late cancellation. I feel bad for the fans because, I, I mean, I, I was in the city and I saw a bunch of people um, in Leafs gear uh, and Canucks gear that, that night, you know, walking around with nothing to do. Uh, many people made travel arrangements, bought one-off tickets specifically for that game so you feel bad for them but they they it was a pretty late postponement because the Leafs actually showed up at Rogers Arena um, to have a morning skate and Kyle Dubas was down there and it was his first time talking to a couple guys because they canceled the the Friday practice and he sensed that there was quite a bit of angst amongst the guys who did show up for the the optional skate um, and they were particularly worried about Seattle, which was supposed to be yesterday um, because of the cross border situation. They were they're you know, we're getting right close to Christmas. So they're like, well, okay, well, we're fine to play the Vancouver game, but if we go across the border to Seattle and then get a, a negative test there, then we're stuck, um, you know, in another country over Christmas. Um, and, you know, it, I think, you know, as hockey fans, we just want to see it on TV, but we might sometimes forget how much it is affecting the actual people involved, you know, mentally and how much stress there is associated with this, even if you're, you're clean to the virus. Um, and even a lot of the players and coaches who get it are, are, are symptom free. But I think there's the, a mental anxiety and a stress that goes with the, all this uncertainty as well. Yeah, I, you you can feel it. I mean, we we all feel it in our own lives, right? Talking to yeah. you know buddies, friends, everybody's kind of I, like there. There's a lot of people who are on the same page, but then they're not even on the same pages, and it's just kind of causing you know a lot of anxiety, a lot, a lot of stress. You you kind of nailed it there perfectly. I guess the next natural question is, and you know we're all waiting for answers, and I think the league is included in that. Where do we go from here? Like, is there a world where we're looking at a super unbalanced schedule and it's play who you can get games in against? Is there a world where we're not getting in 82 games this year? Do we have to go back to a Canadian division? I mean, I could see plenty of different ways that this season plays out, including something that looks like what they planned over the course of, of 82 games. What do you what do you think end, ends up happening kind of once once things we hope are, are somewhat more back to normal in the new year? 
Yeah, I mean, and anything I say would just be speculation, right? Like, I, I think I'm like all of us, we, we don't know and we're sorting it out. Um, the, the trend, it, it certainly sounds like Beijing is in serious jeopardy. I saw that Canada already pulled out of the Spangler Cup and, you know, they said they're going to make a decision on the Olympics in coming days. Well, I couldn't imagine a yes decision being announced in coming days um, with all the uncertainty and, you know, the, the positive test spiking and uh, teams shutting it down. So uh, I, I think that is, is my big disappointment because uh, I, I was so looking forward to see best on best hockey. But as for the NHL season, um, I think Gary Bettman's shown that he will push on and find a way. Um, so whether that is re- rejigging the schedule, maybe the Canadian division, although that, to me seems like a bit of a, a last resort. Um, but there's factors here that are beyond the NHL's control, right? Like um, there, there are politicians and health boards that can shut down borders and that can take the decision out of Gary Bettman's in the, in the owner's hands. Um, but there's certainly an appetite to push through and get as close to an 82 game schedule as possible. Um, and, you know, the, the past few years have shown that they can be creative in, in reaching that end. I mean, if we were to award a Stanley cup in 2020, I can't see why we can't award a Stanley cup in 2022. Um, I think they'll find a way to push on. And, you know, chatting uh, for with uh, Brian Lawton, for example, of course, he's done everything player, general manager, agent, now broadcaster. And he just, you know, he's one of the earlier ones that got COVID about four weeks ago or three weeks ago. Uh-huh. And again, we're going to have Dr. Isaac Bogash, Bogash on at the uh, about 3.55 in about 15 minutes so he can give more expertise. But he's wondering aloud that, okay, in a lot of ways, so many people getting it. We understand this is incredibly contagious, but also it seems, especially if you're vaccinated, nowhere near the uh, the severity of what the initial COVID uh, illnesses were like, that, you know, maybe the element of, for want of herd immunity, whatever, develops through this. I'm, I'm just, I'm not giving any expertise about that, but, you know, who knows, there's a lot of different ways this could play out. And, you know, Brian just mentioned that as a hopeful possibility that this is, this is like a severe flu hit for most people. Yeah. And, and you know what, that Kyle Dubas spoke a bit about that when we had him on a, a conference call, uh, right before the, the Leafs, um, shut things down. Um, he kind of was hopeful that we'd reach a point where, yeah, we're vaccinated and yeah, we might get it um, and test positive, but we can carry on because most of us are, are asymptomatic and they're players playing against other players that are fully vaccinated. Uh, and then if I, I'm sure you saw Steve Eiserman's comments as well. Um, so there, I, it feels like there's a sense that there's a, a willingness from uh, the organizations and the players to push on through this. Um, and we'll, we'll see We'll see where it goes. Um, but, you know, I, I, again, you know, like you, I, I'm no expert on this, but there's there's always going to be viruses in the air. Um, and it, I think it's about how severe they are and, and how well protected we are against them. And um, if, if there's a way to do things safely, um, then then we should go on. Um, but, you know, there's, there's smarter people than me that make those decisions. 
Yeah, no, no offense. One of them's coming up in like ten minutes. Yeah, time. Good. We talked to the doctor. He's pretty good on this stuff. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, I can confirm this much. I don't know a ton about medicine. He is more informed than everybody talking about this uh, right now uh, on this on this very radio show uh, and podcast. What you are informed on, though, the NHL at large. Jacob Chikrin. You know, some some may say Nick Kiprios got this this B in everyone's bonnet last week. Maybe <laughs> it's been floating around a little longer than that. Uh, I the the biggest thing to me that jumps out about this, obviously the is a really talented young player. He's got a ton of control left. He doesn't have a no-movement clause that kicks in for at least a couple of years, so I I can see why everyone's kicking the tires. There's two things that would be concerning to me, and I want to be clear. It's mild trepidation. It's not saying don't go do this. It's just something to keep in mind is, one, this is a guy with some injury history. He's already had, I believe, a couple of knee injuries. And then I think, two, if you're making a bet on a guy to be a big part of your core and through no fault of his own, he's only ever been in the situation that he finds himself in, in Arizona. We've seen in this market playoffs, pressure, all that stuff. It's a completely different animal. And I just, I I wonder how much those two things, both the injury history and the fact that there just isn't a track record of of playing in big games and and games that matter, at least at this level, how, how much would, do you think that's causing teams to have a pause if any on him? I don't think teams should have a pause. Uh, like he's 23 years old and he's a top four defenseman that can log 25 minutes a night. Um, and he can look pretty good at a lot of times playing in front of a bunch of guys that are, you know, uh, basically the worst team in hockey. Right. Um, and I know his plus minus nice way to put front- it. His, his, his plus minus isn't too friendly, but he's starting most of his shifts in this D zone. And you know, the, it's a team that lets a bunch of pucks in the net. Um, and I know he, he does come with a, an injury history. Uh, but I think if you're a team and you look at his price point, which is $4.6 million uh, for three seasons beyond this one, that like that's insane value for a young defenseman in his prime. Um, so I think there should definitely be an appetite from outside teams to want him. What makes me kind of scratch my head is why is Arizona um, – listening on this why don't they want him do they know something about his his injury that we don't know or is he unhappy there that's that's kind of something that that i'm wondering because how many more picks do the coyotes need so this this coming draft they have three first rounders and they have five second rounders and at some point you have to build a team i know they've done a good job you know i think bill armstrong's done well in recouping assets um for some of his veteran players but at some point, you need to start hanging on to some players. And Chikrin's one of the only guys that they have signed beyond this this year at any term. He's at good value. This is a team that doesn't make a lot of money. Like, why would you not hold on to a young player coming into his prime at some value? I think he should still be in his peak when the Coyotes are relevant again in a few years. Um, so it, it's just kind of a little bit head-scratching to me why they're why they're interested in moving him um, or even entertaining calls on moving him because I think he's the exact kind of guy they should want to keep. Now, I got to tell you one, because I know we got to get going at some point because Dr. Bogosh is going to join us. But Luke, you write and tell so many great stories. So Paul Maurice, there's so many things we can talk about. But here's one that I wanted to share because uh, I think this is the concept of Paul Maurice's story. And 
when he worked at Sportsnet years ago, it's one thing when you used to get to work with these coaches out of work for a little bit. And I, I asked Paul Maurice if this story was true. And he said, yes, but don't you tell it on the air, okay? Because it's done. It's not meant to be done at the expense of a legendary Hall of Fame play-by-play guy. We can figure out who he is. Harry Neal was his longtime partner, okay? So you can imagine who, who he is doing Hockey Night in Canada for so many years. And just being, it was the All-Star Game, say, in the, late, in the mid-1990s. So everybody in hockey's there at the All-Star Game. So uh, Harry Neal and the play-by-play guy, they come out and, this, and he's just, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Because he can't, you know, there's so many people to try to recognize. And down, down sort of the laneway where the, where the benches were was a guy. And, uh, and, and, okay, it was Bob Cole anyway. So he said to Harry, <laughs> um, he said, who's that? And Harry said just quickly, oh, Timo Solani. So anyway, all of a sudden, the play-by-play guy has left and Harry Neal realizes back then in his 30s, Paul Maurice looked like Timo Solani, right? He absolutely looked like Timo Solani. So anyway, Paul Maurice is there with his parents, and this broadcaster comes up and chats with him like he's Timo Solani. And they're going on, and Paul's got so much respect that he assumes the role of Timo Solani in it, right? They're talking about summers in Finland, how are things, uh, you know, how are things, how, Timo, how are things going on in Anaheim, all that kind of stuff. And they, they chat, have the brief chat, and they, the gentleman walks away happy that he had a great interaction with Timo Solani. I said to Paul, man, what a, what a classy guy you were, because he was in too deep in the conversation. So you just went with that and, you know, made him feel better. And I just said, like, what I told of that story and he just said uh, but I just thought what a, what, a, what a great guy to have that kind of respect playing the role of Timo Solani for about 90 seconds that's incredible I hope Paul put on the Finnish accent too <laughs> I, but his parents became Timo's parents they're up there from Kirkland Lake or wherever <laughs> they're from St. Marie and they had to play the role of Timo's parents from Finland it was like Matt Sandin's mom in the soup commercial that's fantastic. I, you know what? I really hope if, if Paul takes a little break from coaching that, that he, he gets in the broadcast game again because I think his, his wit and his analysis, um, and, you know, he was, he was a walking quote machine. Like, he was a reporter's best friend. Uh, you know, I, I got a privilege of covering the 2018 um, Jets run, and it was just like a writer's gift, you know, the fact that after every – morning skate you walk into the room there's Paul Maurice and you're doing a profile on Dustin Bufflin or whatever and he would just sum up whoever you wanted to write about the perfect way um he's got a a gift for words that's a great story though Gord oh man that's uh that's amazing uh and yeah definitely like we we know big boisterous guys and he can be boisterous and yuck it up but it's like a great dry sense of humor always gets me and I uh, feel like Maurice definitely definitely uh checks that box Luke thanks so much for the time today bud and if we don't talk to you happy holidays Merry Christmas all that yeah Merry Christmas guys thanks for having me on there he goes Luke Fox read him on Twitter at sportsnet.ca Follow him on Twitter at Luke Fox. Uh, we're going to step aside here. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here with you for Leafs Nation. We'll be here with you all week at the three to five time slot. When we continue, Dr. Isaac Bogosh. He's going to answer some questions because uh, in case you couldn't tell from the last part of that interview with Luke, boy, have we got some about what's going on. Maybe he'll have some answers for the NHL and for all of us as well. That's coming up next when we continue here on Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.